This is year zero. This conversation <laughs> between two Liberty truckers, Reed Coverdale and myself, is such a fucking disaster. It is a fucking train wreck. But I, we'd been trying to coordinate together and, and get Reed on the podcast for quite a while. And I'm going to go ahead and release it. But we were both so fucking tired. I hadn't completely uh, recuperated from Childerberg, and Reed had just had a long fucking day on the road. And so we're both about 30, 45 minutes in. You can tell both of us just get to the point where it's almost like we can't even like think. We can't even speak straight. It's it's just I don't I don't even know how to explain it. We're we. We're trying to have this conversation that we've been wanting to have for quite a while. And the words are just not coming out of our mouth. And by the end, we're both just like, okay, dude, I, I can't do this anymore. So um, enjoy what you can get out of it. I thought it was still quite a fun conversation. I enjoy talking to Reed. He's a really nice guy. So I, I, I really did enjoy it. It was just both of us were just so fucking butt fucking tired, man. So, as always, RyanBunting.com for all of your graphic design needs. Go to RyanBunting.com. Ryan Bunting is a great anarcho-capitalist and libertarian. He's also a great graphic designer. So, RyanBunting.com for all of your graphic design needs. If you want a podcast logo or anything else designed to resemble free man beyond the wall or year zero, go to ryanbunting.com and buy his fucking book. Thank you, Tom Burton for the music. And remember we are still looking to expand Beatrix business. She is a virtual assistant. She does administrative work and basically runs multiple companies for small businesses. She does this in less than 40 hours a week for each company and is able to hand, handle and maintain multiple clients at a time. So if you are a small business owner or you know a small business owner that needs has gotten to the point where their business is growing and they need someone to handle a few hours of administration every week, but they can't afford to hire someone full time, get a hold of me, tommysalmons at gmail.com. Those small businesses, as they're growing, they always need that helping hand and they can't afford to take away from the tasks that actually earn them money by focusing on the administration. So if you, you or someone you know needs that assistance, needs that boost to their business, get in touch with me, tommysalmons at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Jesus, I hate the fuck that thing. Goddamn thing started talking to me fucking a couple of weeks ago. It drives me fucking nuts. All right. I'm here with Mr. Reed Coverdale. What's going on, man? Not much. How you doing, man? All right. How's that unity work going? Um, I don't know. People are people are attributing it to individuals instead of an idea. It's like we've tried to uh institutionalize an idea and i think we've got to uh decentralize it and um 
you know, because when they think unity, they think me or Dave Smith or a few of the other people who've kind of gone along with it. Instead of uh, thinking about the the broader concept, I guess. So we're actually working on trying to figure out how to rebrand it and try to disassociate it from any person. And, um, you know, because I, uh, I didn't even start my show to talk about unity. <laughs> that wasn't really the goal. It's just uh, the uh, thing that ended up um, being a prevalent issue when I ended up on the main stage. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it came, it came for you like really fast too. It was like, I had never even heard of you. And then like one day you're everywhere. I was like, who the fuck's this kid? <laughs> what? Yeah. Watch it. It's probably a fucking fed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it's the perks of being friends with Dave Smith that gets you a lot of places fast. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's cool, man. Cause like, I've, I've kind of gotten to know you a little bit on Twitter and just, you know, we, we've done your show together with, uh, Quincy and, and top lobster. And so, um, and then Clint also, uh, I've seen him around and gotten to know him a little bit. So I, I think it's really good because one thing I try to like focus on whenever I'm talking to other podcasters and maybe this is kind of my age, you know, cause I'm one of the older podcasters at least in the in the circles that we run around in you know i'm in my 40s pete's a little bit older than me but yeah so i look at it and i say well i i kind of have my niche and i know what my niche is i know what i do i know what my focus is so i don't really worry about you know other people getting broader audiences because my my show is designed for a broad audience, but it's going to be one of those audiences that stumbles upon this kind of show what, you know, later on. And so I'm really like working on the art itself at this point in time, but, but you are focused on libertarians, whereas I'm not focused on libertarians. I'm focused on people that aren't libertarians and introducing them to libertarian ideas without trying to sell them on libertarianism. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, that's actually what my Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say so like when I look at the way that some of these shows are growing, um I I'm actually really happy for you guys and I I don't look at it as a competition. I look at it as we're all trying to fight this this beast, this cathedral and uh we're we're all kind of in this fight together it's almost like one single network you know what i'm saying yeah for sure and uh, i actually um i didn't start the show for libertarians it was actually for normies uh trying to bring them to libertarianism or libertarian ideas i was just really in the right place at the right time <laughs> for dave to uh see what i was saying and and then that kind of you know, the, the Liberty Uniter is one of the names that uh, I went under for a couple months. I didn't change the name of my show, but that was my uh, name on Twitter. And um, that wasn't really the whole purpose of the show from the beginning. The beginning was actually, uh, I wanted to talk about some other topics that 
didn't necessarily have much to do with libertarianism. I wanted to talk about traveling and living within your means. I also wanted to talk about religion and a whole bunch of other stuff. But um, now, you know, what you get famous for is what you're remembered for. And uh, I've actually been trying (laughs) to rebrand or move away from just being the guy who thinks libertarians should get along well, because I do have a lot more to say than that. I mean, to me, that's a very self-evident thing that people who agree on 99% of the issues and hate the state should probably focus their, their energy, uh, you know, against the state instead of against each other. But for so many people, it's just a, a mind blowing concept that they can't seem to grasp for some reason. But I, yeah, it's been really crazy. The amount of growth I've seen, I I just hit 5,000 subscribers on YouTube today. Um, and I've got like 13,000 followers on Twitter. It's not really fair. I have more, (laughs) more followers than people that, uh, definitely have been at the game longer and have a lot more important things to say than I do. But I think it just says a lot about the times and the, also the technology and the ease of doing your own podcast, you know, 10 years ago, it was way harder to get off the ground and people wouldn't listen to you as much, but when you lock everyone in their houses and you kill their employment and everyone has the ability to stream a, a podcast, you know, it's a good environment for things taken off. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I, I look at it as the, we're, we're in a situation, you, like you said, they, they've kind of created this environment where people like you you and I and, and Clint and Pete and all these guys will will see these increases and see the following you know increase. And it was it was it's been such a crazy year because like one of the things I left I left Houston six years ago and I was like, these people are going to destroy the fucking dollar. I'm going to need to be on some land. I'm going to need to be growing my own vegetables. I'm going to need to have, you know, a food source near me. So, uh, my parents happen to be selling their property. So my wife and I bought it. So that's what we've been focusing on, you know, on the weekends, whenever I'm home, that's what we focus on. We focus on working, working that land and getting our, our, our shit in order. And as mm-hmm. fast as everything happened last year, I was like, wait, 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 there can't y'all wait like two more years, man. I haven't even gotten to the point where I'm growing half my food supply. So just give me two more years. <laughs> so they just two more. That's yeah. all I need. It, but you know, these motherfuckers weren't waiting for nobody, you know? So, so what, what are you looking at when, when it comes to your audience hedging their bets, the, the types of things they can do to, to better their life? Cause kind of one of the things I look at, I don't think you have to be a prepper. I don't think you have to be a homesteader, but I think if you're an anarchist and libertarian, pretty much a, a human being, you got to be doing something outside the system to make sure that you're good. You know what I'm saying? People diversify their portfolios, but they don't diversify the way that they get their food. They don't diversify, you know, all the ways that they, um, are, are living their lives and, and being ready for a catastrophe. So like, what are the things that you really focus on in that area? 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, last year I talked a lot about how, uh, you know, forget the government, how terrible the government was. Just look at your your system for getting food or your system for buying supplies. Look at how centralized it is. Look at how completely um, helpless you were when shit went down. You couldn't get toilet paper. You couldn't buy groceries. You couldn't you couldn't do anything like everything is from the top down. Uh, and you know, we're both truck drivers. So we know how, you know, how that works. Things think things aren't grown locally and eaten locally. They're shipped all over the country, all, you know, all over different areas. And so I've uh, encouraged people to get back to buying local and trying to uh, become communities again. Um, but on a personal level, you know, I've told them to try to get outside of the dollar and I'm not technically um, supposed to give financial advice. So, you know, I always have that disclaimer, don't listen to me, go listen to someone else, but these are the people you should listen to. And this is what I would suggest you do. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I just tell people to uh, take care of each other and themselves, you know, because uh, we saw um, on full display that the government does not do that. They're not taking care of your neighbor and they're not going to take care of you. Um, and when they do, it's at the cost of giving hundreds of billions of dollars to corporations and overseas governments and all this crap. So stop waiting for something to come in and save you, save yourself and save your neighbor. Um, and, you know, I've really tried to drive home that individualism is not a selfish ideology. It's an independent ideology. It's the idea that it's your responsibility to take care of yourself and your friends and your family. It's not everyone else's responsibility. You do it. You, you know, you get off your ass and you take the initiative. Um, and, you know, I, I, I loaned out a lot of money to people last year who were in trouble. I, you know, I have a lot of capital, so I was able to loan it out and help people. And, you know, if you can do that, take care of your family and your friends and people, you know, instead of uh, advocating for the government to do it or even giving it to big charities. I'm not really a fan of big charities because you might as well just be giving it to some government program with how they skim it off the top and uh, don't redistribute it very well. So I just want to see everything really decentralized and people living in communities taking care of each other and themselves again so i just encourage people to enable that in whatever way they can yeah no i yeah the, this this whole idea that libertarians or anarchists or some kind some kind of like like egoist or it's just it's so absurd I just I get I get so tired of we don't view ourselves as as atomistic. It, it, that's not the way we operate, you know. And I don't I have a lot in common with a lot of mutualists, but I don't consider myself a mutualist. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm a I'm I'm just an agorist, and I'm just I doing my thing, and I'm going through my life, and. I'm trying to take care of my family, my kids, and and those people that are close to me in my life. And that's who I'm trying to deal with. So 
that's a message I really think is important is getting through this, this fight. You know, it's a constant battle fighting through this notion that we're so atomistic and, and we're the, these crazy egoists that we got that, that only care about ourselves, you know, and it's like, no, we're just, we're almost more, we're, we're probably much more conservative than conservatives in the idea that we feel like, I got to get myself in order and then my first responsibility is to my family. And then after that I can do for the community that after that I can do for a broader audience or a broader, broader people. But if I don't have my own house in order, then I can't do anything for you. I'm no good to you. Right. Because then I'm doing it at my own expense and how long before you can't count on me because I can't be around because I've put myself in a hole. So how do how do you think we should message that? How do you how do how do we attack that? Um, I think we got to live by example, right? Um, anyone can talk, but if your ha- like you said, if your house isn't in order, then your talk is worthless. So I think it's really important that we do live out our principles, and I really do. I mean, I uh, you know I've stayed out of debt my entire adult life. Uh, I've lived well within my means. Um, I still have a 1994 Toyota pickup. It's got 327,000 miles on it. I just repair it when it, you know, when something goes out on it, I, I just replaced the engine in it last year. Um, you know, I don't need a 2021 Toyota Tacoma for 40 grand or whatever it costs. Why? Like <laughs> my, my truck still works fine. Gets 20 miles per gallon. Um, you know, I didn't go to college uh, because I didn't need to. Um, by the time I was 24, I was making 120 grand a year. You know, so just showing people that living your principles can make you successful, I think is the best way to convince them that your message is true. Because anyone can get up on a soapbox and scream their principles. But if you prove to them, my ideas work then they'll listen. And that's what we've got over the commies. What do the commies have to show for? Like, you know, they can scream about their principles and their principles are consistent or whatever, but they don't work. Um, We've got the right ideas. So I think we've got to put them into action. And, you know, people should, we we wanted to get to the point where when people think libertarian, they think self-sufficient or um, generous or, upstanding person or you know like we have a really ugly image right now like you said it's it's selfish or stupid or um i don't i don't even know like uh you know just someone who hoards ammo and doesn't care about his community like i don't think that's accurate at all most libertarians i know are more concerned about everyday issues than anybody else and typically more educated on them too and understand how we fix them so I think the the public image and actually living our principles are the two biggest things we can do for our cause. Yeah, no, libertarians are just Republicans that want to smoke weed. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. I got an argument with I don't know if you if you if I told you about this or if you heard this, but I got an argument with somebody on Twitter one time and uh, and they said 
you you're a libertarian you you just you're fiscally conservative and, and no what did they say oh they said i'm a libertarian you call yourself a libertarian but i'm a real libertarian i'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal i said no motherfucker you are fiscally unpopular and socially awkward get that through your fucking head like nobody likes you don't people yeah. don't like libertarians honestly people don't i mean you work in the blue collar world right you know how these how people out in the real world are like they don't want to listen to your fucking philosophy all day it drives me crazy like i've gotten to the point since last year and no offense to any podcast out there so because there's some really great podcasts out there really great podcasters very smart intellectual people i've gotten to the point over the last year i can't listen to philosophy anymore I'm just not interested in it. It's like, that's not going to get me anywhere. Do you see what the fuck is happening to our goddamn country right now? Like, I don't care about your fucking philosophy. How do we put this? What is practical application that we're going to utilize moving forward? Because if we don't have the practical application, if we can't figure that out, then we're fucked, dude. And like, and then it is every man for himself. And we're like a bunch of fucking chickens just scattered, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean... I think that philosophy is important, but if you can't tie it into real life, then it's dead. Um, so that's actually one of the greatest things I get to do on my show is I get to uh, occasionally tie it in to my job. You know, if I'm talking about government regulations destroying the workplace, I have actually got a ton of stories that I can bring up or, uh, you know, how much the police suck. I've got first-hand experience and i'm sure you have a lot of it too with how much the cops suck um yes. and you know economics uh environmental regulations you know from past jobs i've had i could tie it into that so i think we actually do need to bring philosophy back to people i mean that's what we're missing people don't have philosophy anymore that's why they're so afloat and they're just catching whatever's right in front of them but um We've got to make philosophy tangible. You got to make people understand why it matters. You got to, you got to, you got to tie it into their real world issues. If you're just speaking theory without any empirical application, then it's it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I kind of being at the institute, you know, I kind of uh, have structured myself as being the gateway drug for Pete Quinones or Scott Horton or Keith Knight. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I do it intentionally because it's like, I, I know that I can listen to Scott Horton for 10 hours and, and learn all kinds of shit. I can listen to Pete Quinones and his podcast and learn all kinds of shit. But what I also know is that the guy I was just talking to down the road, who's talking about there's, there's going to be, a revival that Trump, the, the prophets are saying that Trump will be president again in August and all this shit. Like I ain't Pete's not getting through to that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Like Scott's he, that dude's not going to listen to Scott. 
but we're sitting at a truck stop and this guy's saying these things to me. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, I've been listening to people say that for the last three years. And every time it comes up, they, then, and, and they're like, yeah, next week, this is going to happen. And then next week comes around and they're like, yeah, okay, well they had to postpone it because this, that, and the other. So it'll be next week. And I've been hearing this for three weeks. It's always next week. It's always tomorrow. It's always, you know, sometime in the future. It's never happening right now. What are you doing today? What are we doing today to take care of ourselves? You can introduce, you can start teaching them libertarian philosophy through action, through like agorist action. And then once they're doing it, tell them, oh yeah, by the way, this is what you're doing and hand them a book and they'll be like, oh fuck. And then they'll kind of get the idea. So you can kind of back them into the door and you don't have to shove the philosophy down their throat. Yeah, no, I, I like the gateway drug. That's uh, I, I've called myself that too. You know, I'm I'm uh, kind of a yeah, I'm, I'm a blue collar guy. I don't have time to read book after book after book after book. I, I I I've got one foot in the philosophy and one foot in the real world, so I can bring the real world guys to the philosophers. You know, that's uh, that's kind of what my role. You do know wow. that most of you do know most of the audio books on Mises. I mean, most of the books on Mises are on audio. I listen yeah, to I've been, I listen to a lot of that like over the last like when I first discovered libertarianism in like 2015. I listened to Mises Institute audio books for like three years straight. That's all I did. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Rothbard lately. I'm trying to get through Man, Economy, and State, but honestly, I. Uh, I'll space out for an hour and I'll forget that I'm listening to something yeah. uh, that, 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 that the thing chug trying to get through it. But, um, I, I have found, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I found that all, it, um, books on, uh, economics is, are hard to listen to. Like if I read them, I'm, uh, it's, yeah. it's better for me, but I've tried to listen to a lot of them and no, a good one though, a good one you can get. I don't know if you've, if, if you checked it out, it's Walter blocks defending the, uh, indefensible. Yeah, I haven't read it yet. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's on audio. You can get it for free at Mises.org. Yeah, it's okay. really good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What you were saying about man, economy, and state. I was just like, hey. Oh, no. I mean, that one's just, I've tried listening to it, and I'll just literally space out. <laughs> and so I could listen to the whole thing, but I won't retain any of it. I've got to, like, I'll, I'll realize I've been spaced out for about 15 minutes, and I'll have to rewind it keep going but yeah being a truck driver that's the only way i can read books i don't have time to read the hard copies after work or whatever especially doing the podcast and trying to have a life outside of that too um but most blue collar people definitely don't have time to read you know book after book after book if they're a welder or something you know they can't read while they're welding so i'm kind of the perfect middleman you know I, I understand the philosophy but i also understand people who don't know any of it so i can introduce them to people who will blow their minds and it's kind of what my role is i think yeah I, what i like i think i i mean if i if i have time to sit down and read i will i will remember everything i read I will not be able to tell you what book it was I read. <laughs> I won't tell you, be able to tell you who wrote it, but I can tell you everything I've read. <laughs> but 
But I, what I like about podcasting and what I think I'm actually able to accomplish with podcasting is bringing on people like a Mike Meharry or um, the Huntsman or or some of these guys that a lot of people have never really heard of that have some really brilliant things to say that they can utilize in their everyday life, right? So we have a lot of people that in the, in the movement that are focused on getting the biggest name, you know, in, you know, out there to, to gain more traction. And I understand wanting to gain a bigger audience and make more money in this, that, and the other, but there are a lot of people out there that no one has heard of that are really fucking good, really fucking good. Um, we were talking about the supply chain earlier, a guy you need to talk to, and I can get you in touch with him if you want to talk to him, is the Huntsman. He's a supply chain expert. I had a great conversation with him. He was such a nice guy, and I learned a lot. And he says, this supply chain, it's it's not coming back for two years. You know? mm-hmm. So this is like, this is information that people need to retain and be like, okay, I must act accordingly. <laughs> There's, I have to change things because yeah. nothing is normal anymore. So, so yeah, there's always a place for people like you and I, and we have a lot of time to think, man. Like, honestly, like we're, we're driving, we're staring out that fucking wind. We got that windshield time. Like, it's like, sometimes it's like, I don't want to listen to anything. I don't want to hear nothing. I just want silence. I want to drive for the next five hours and just reflect on everything that's happening around us. And a lot of people don't have that luxury. You know, so there, there are advantages to trucking. Uh, Scott's always told me he went, he, every time we talk, he's like, damn dude, I should have been a truck driver instead. I drove a fucking cab. And then I became this bitter old man on the internet who's (laughs) cursing about war all the time. He's like, you know, I used to be funny, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right though. I mean, we do have a lot of time and I don't know about you, but I'm someone who, uh, I, I don't really blank. I don't really blank it. You know, I don't really uh, space out when I'm spacing out. It's because I'm thinking about something. Right. So like when I'm trying to listen to man economy and state, something will pop into my brain and I'll start thinking about that and not listening to the book anymore. That That's what my problem is. I, I don't understand people who literally just space <laughs> out and don't think about something. I, I, I wish I could do that, but um, I actually have trouble falling asleep at night because my brain's always turning and I'm always thinking about some concept or something right. that happened. And uh, but yeah, definitely driving gives you a lot of time for introspection, and um, I think that's why we sound autistic sometimes because we've just had all this time to think about it. So people are like, "Wow, you're weird, man! Like you actually thought about this." <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you about the falling asleep thing. I, I'll, if I'll lay in bed and, and I'll be as tired as, as I can and I'll close, I'll, I'll turn off all the lights and I'll lay back and I'll close my eyes. And then it's like an idea or something pops into my head and it's just churning and churning yeah. and churning. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. But see, this happened to me even before libertarianism. This oh, I, yeah, me too. because I was writing, I was, I was writing poetry and short stories and working on novels and things like that 
that I haven't released, but I will, I promise. But so, so I would have this idea for a story and I would be, I would come to a part where I would have like writer's block on one particular part and I'd be going to bed and it would come to me or I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd have to get up and write for the next two hours. I'd wake up at three o'clock and have to write for two hours and then have to be at work by six o'clock or some shit like that. I'm fucking miserable, you know, like, but yeah, but yeah, there's, there's this, I don't know, man. I I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece together in my head and it's something I've been working on. Like since I started my podcast and my first slogan for my podcast was ideas plus action. Okay. So I had recognized immediately when, when discovering libertarianism, there's, there's entrepreneurship and libertarianism work hand in hand. And I couldn't place together exactly how they worked hand in hand. Right. And then I discovered through Sal and Pete, I discovered Konkin and I started reading Konkin and I was like, Oh, okay. So agorism, I get it. I would say, so agorism is libertarianism plus entrepreneurship and, and you got agorism. Okay. So that's great. But what, what I'm trying to figure out is how to connect with the, the shade tree mechanic, how to connect with the lady who's running a daycare center out of her fucking living room and not reporting it to the, you know, to the feds. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, how do we get to these people? Because these are the people that are searching for a way out of the system. They see they're being robbed. They're, they see the criminality of it. They see that it is victimizing them and they're working outside of it. Those are the people I want to be talking to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think that what you got to do is you got to talk about what they care about. You know, there, there's this, uh, there's this stupidity among libertarians that we want them to care about what we care about the most. And that's just not effective. Like, I mean, I care about war more than anything else, but someone who has been brainwashed into thinking that we're fighting terrorism so that we have a free country here and we're trying to spread freedom and democracy around the globe or whatever, they're not going to care about war. Number one, they care about, um, you know, their wages or their health care or the environment or something, you know, like, okay. So, um, instead of coming up to them all hot and bothered and furious that they don't care about the same thing that you do, You've either got to explain to them why what you care about is more important or I think which is more effective is to tell them that you have a solution for the problem that they care about the most. And then you can introduce them to the overall picture and say, well, see, this is why this is so screwed up. So instead of just, you know, screaming and the Fed in someone's face who has no idea what that means, um, you know, talk to them about why their wages aren't <laughs> what they should be anymore. Talk to them about inflation, tie it into the federal reserve. And then you can convince them that we need to end the fed, but just uh, jumping the gun, going right to the conclusion and being angry that they're not on the same page as you is never a good 
um, strategy for evangelism. I don't think the, um, did, have you ever heard of the Texas nationalist movement? Yes. Okay. So the president of the Texas nationalist movement gave a speech whenever, um, Kyle Biederman, uh, first introduced the legislation for Texas. Uh, it, it failed. They actually blocked it in committee, but whatever. Um, but he gave a speech and what he said was the average wage because of like the, the energy that's produced out of Texas and that the average wage of, of a Texas citizen is somewhere around like $41,000 a year or something like that. Like if you take like the most impoverished, the richest, right. the average is about 41,000. And he said, had the federal government not instituted regulatory capture and all these um, regulations onto the energy sector and allowed Texas to boom the way it was intended to boom, not not in, not inflated the money supply, not done all these like horrible things to the economy for our for the greater good, of course, that the average income of a Texan would be three hundred thousand dollars right now. So, so you're talking to, I mean, like, what is that? Like, that's what, like, four hundred percent difference or some shit? Like, what the fuck, dude? And so, getting people to wrap their minds around something that, like that, that n numeric, is libertarians want to focus on that. They like it's what it's what you were saying. It's it's your this is your pet project and you're throwing it in their face. But you know, any anybody who markets or has ever tried to market knows that you're not selling the product you have. You're selling the product they want. And so, right. how are you going to sell that product? You know, and so we get to change our message every day. We have a podcast. We're talking all the time. We're always mm -hmm. chatting with people. I can't tell you how many times my podcast has made a shift, turned here, taken this turn there because my, my mind's changing. My, I'm, my thinking's changing. I'm looking at the world around me going, okay, I got to like learn how to, you know, act to, towards this. And if I want to learn how to react towards this or, or work around this, then I, I should be talking to my audience about this, right? So, but, but there are so many libertarians and I, this, this episode is going to come out for me at Childerberg where I'm on Patrick McFarlane's show. I'm just going to warn you. I was drunk all fucking day. I went to bed drunk the night before I woke up four hours later, still fucking drunk. And I started drinking again. So, I mean, that was just Childerberg. It was fun. I had a blast. I loved every person I met there. Not a one person was a bad dude. I didn't like everybody was cool as fuck, but just get that out of the way. But I'm going to be on Patrick McFarland's show. And one of the things I was saying, I was like, look, we have a problem in the libertarian movement. And part of the reason I kind of distance myself from the term libertarian is because we have these people that are too worried about being the smartest fucking person in the room. And they're not so worried about actually accomplishing a goddamn thing. 
Right. That bugs the fuck out of me. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's super annoying. Um, <laughs> like, I don't care how many books on theory you've read. I care how many people you've convinced that um, we shouldn't be given $4 billion a year to Israel. You know, that matters to me more than how many books you've read. Or, um, you know, if you can convince people that raising the minimum wage to $20 an hour isn't going to solve employment issues and is going <laughs> to, you know, have an inverse effect on poor people, uh, you know, that, that matters way more than your resume. Um, you know, what, what, what books you've read, what theory you're well-versed in, it, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is um, what you can convince people of or what you can show people by living a certain way. So yeah, the, uh, the intellect only goes so far. The intellect, I mean, this is biblical, even though I'm not a Christian, but you know, faith without works is dead. I think that's very true. If you believe in something and you know it inside and out, but you don't do anything about it, then who cares? <laughs> you know, I, I really don't have uh, much use for you or much interest in what you have to say. Um, the guy who's actually getting stuff done and drawing attention and changing people's minds, I want to hear what he has to say. Well, that, that, I mean, that's a guy that that's a guy that's he's he's boots on the ground. You know what I'm saying? He's actually out there doing something. Yeah, you know? he's not sitting there self indulging, which is what a lot of this bullshit is. A lot of it's self indulgence. All right, like yeah. yes, there are some brilliant fucking political thinkers, anarchist thinkers. There's some brilliant people. I mean, shit. I, I mean, I was, all weekend I was calling Ace Ace Arcus, uh, Lysand, Lysander Junior instead of Spooner. You know, like, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, because the kid's fucking brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. And we're, and I'm gonna have him on, and we're gonna be chatting about some stuff. And you know, he's he's a but he's such a humble individual. Like when you meet him, he's not arrogant. He's not cocky. He's just like it's really yeah. sweet, introverted, smart guy you know like and it's like okay yeah like i want to promote you because you are just uh, uh, not only brilliant but you're great you're just a great yeah. person most of these people come across as cocky you know and I, I look at that and i'm just like yeah okay all right yeah i can argue with anybody i can debate anybody yada 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 okay yeah I, i've been hearing that a lot and I just, uh, I won't debate you, bro, because I'm just not interested. I don't have the time for that. I would rather my, my, my conversation have some productive, you know, capacity to it. And this brings me, because this is something I wanted to ask you about, because like you and I, being truckers, we're just going to shoot straight from the hip on, on, on these difficult subjects. So this brings me around, like, that we want that capacity to actually accomplish something. Okay. So as somebody that identifies more of an agorist, I have no interest in voting. Mm -hmm. I, I could see situations where things pop up locally where I might get into that and I might do some local electioneering or working locally in politics, but nationally I'm like, fuck y'all. I just don't give a shit about y'all. You know, um, there's been a lot of debate on Liberty Twitter specifically 
but there was the Tho Bishop and the Dave Smith discussion on Lions of Liberty. There are people that are not ecstatic about libertarian, like the Mises Caucus or, or like popular libertarians like yourself or Clint or going after overtaking the libertarian party. Now, I mm-hmm. thought this was a quite an interesting point I heard. I want to say it was popular liberty that I heard make this point. I could be wrong. But he said, prior to the Mises Caucus, the Libertarian Party was turning into the woke party. All the woke people were leaving the Democrat Party and kind of congregating in the Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. And that if the Libertarians would have congregated in the Republican Party, given all those fucking losers the woke party, we'd never have to hear from those motherfuckers ever again. And I was like, that might be an interesting point there. Uh, yeah, I don't know how accurate it is, though. I don't think many people joined the Libertarian Party. <laughs> like, if uh, even if that's true, it wasn't enough to make a dent. Yeah. in the democratic party you know but um i am a fan of using the libertarian party as a uh, vehicle for liberty and i think a lot of people take that a little bit too literally and they think that it means we're gonna win the presidency next time with the mises caucus or something i don't think that and i'm kind of on the same page as you nationally i, I will still vote just for the hell of it but i don't really see um the use in it i mean i I think congress is pretty dead uh you know justin amash was a pretty good window into congress over his last year in there and it was just a joke i mean (laughs) there's no process to anything they tell you what you can get away with voting against the party on and i mean it's it's just a mess I, i don't see fixing that place and then you know if you don't um if you don't kowtow to APAC, you won't get elected anyway. They'll sink your campaign. So I really think it's uh, it's about going after local state houses, governorships, things like that. And I still believe in voting at that level. I think you can make a difference. I think if you have a state representative um, versus, uh, uh, you know, a libertarian state representative versus some statist, I think that voting for them is a good idea. And I don't see voting as violence if you're just voting to put someone in there who wants to remove state power. You know, there's some people who think that taking part in the system at all is, um, you know, capitulating or uh, advocating violence. I only see that if you're choosing for the le- the lesser of two evils. If someone's in there and their only goal is to really dismantle the state, I'm all for that. Um, so, you know, the Libertarian Party, um, I don't know, it's the third largest party in the country. Uh, there's a lot of great people who have joined it. Uh, the Republican Party is just, I, I look at it as so lost. And I don't know if it was ever really being close to a libertarian uh, bastion of freedom. But especially now it's just i I look at the republicans as controlled opposition you know the democrats will put forward some crazy spending bill or some crazy gun control idea and then the republicans come in and say whoa 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 that's too far let's settle for this 
and then they'll choose something right in the middle and the idea is to try to sell it as though it's a more reasonable approach so instead of a five trillion dollar spending bill we'll do a 3.2 all right let's settle on 4.1 <laughs> and you know that's supposed yeah. to be a victory somehow so I, I don't think using the republican party is viable anymore um and obviously the democratic party that's that's an even bigger joke so um as far as um you know, whether or not we should be involved at all in the political system. I don't think that people pay attention outside of elections. So we can all have our podcasts, write our books, uh, disengage from the system as much as we can, but no one's going to know we're doing it unless we run somebody for something. That's where everyone starts paying attention. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. And, and most of the, most of the agorists now were brought into that movement by Ron Paul running for president, you know, and they, tend to forget that that's how it all happened and they demonize people who um think that we should try to do something like that again it's like hey <laughs> you know we, we we need numbers we don't have the numbers now and we need more people to get on board with uh this line of thinking and i really think elections are where you draw people's attention to it this certainly was how my attention was drawn to it Well, I can't hear you. I don't know if you. No, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I turn my, I turn my mic off. That's my, that's my cough button. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have the like fancy little cough button up here. I just turned the mic off. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah, that was, uh, okay. So there's a lot of agorists. You're right. They came in through Ron Paul. You're right. So the argument they'll make, well, Ron Paul was running as a Republican because yep. he was he was aware that the Libertarian Party could never make an influence, like ma never make a dent, that he could do more more good from within the Republican Party than he could from within the Libertarian Party. And I'm not arguing with you. I mean, I don't even know what I think about this. I'm kind of like, eh, you know, one way or the other, six one way, half a dozen another me, but for audience sake so oh, excuse me so they're what they're trying to say is all right they they believe that participating in the political system of this violent regime and playing on by their rules on their playing field is a violation of principles right if you're gonna go ahead and violate your principles then why would you half-ass it with a party that no one is going to pay any attention to, nobody's going to hear the message of, when you can throw yourself into the primaries of the GOP and get on the stage like Ron Paul did, which is where he made all his gains, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the argument. Yeah, I think times have changed. I think Ron Paul made the right decision. I don't think he should have run on the Libertarian Party in... Uh, 2008 or 2012. Um, you know, a lot of people think Trump made the Republican Party better. I, I disagree with that. I think Trump made big government popular among Republicans. I really do. Like, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it was exemplified when the 2000, you know, the Democrats are only going to do checks this big my checks are going to be twice as big and the republicans loved it 
and you know they love protectionism they love the idea of a border wall they, they love like all this big big government big big spending stuff and i don't see them going back you know they they, they never were really at a small government conservative level but it was at least popular to talk about it's not even popular to talk about it anymore now it's like um the only reason the democrats suck is because they're you know they're pro china or they're um pro green new deal it's not the amount of money they're spending or the amount of government they're creating it's what they're doing with it that the republicans don't like the republicans are completely fine with spending trillions of your dollars they just want to spend it on their own things in their own way. Um, so I just don't see them as a viable option for libertarians anymore. Um, you know, yeah, maybe they're a little bit more susceptible to the anti-war stance, but not much. It's a, it was a very marginal gain. It was more just like, okay, we don't really believe in this empire stuff. It's, it wasn't really an anti-war message that they, took on. And then as soon as, um, you know, as soon as we bombed Soleimani and threatened to go to war with Iran, then all the drums, all the war drums come out, all the Republicans were all for that. And so you realized it was pretty surface level. So, I mean, that party has just become so bastardized and so ridiculous. Um, I don't think that you could run someone in that party who would make a dent anymore. I don't, I don't think Ron Paul would get close to getting the nomination in that party. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think the Republican Party is a lost cause. I honestly think the Democrat Party is almost as viable as the Republicans at this point. They're just, they, they gave up on every major issue that they're supposed to be good on. Uh, they just ceded ground. Um, you know, it was so funny uh, people saying that we should vote for Republicans in the Senate to achieve gridlock. And this was a month after they passed um, a bill where I think two Democrats and 59 Republicans voted against it and everybody else voted for it. So most of the Republicans, most of the Democrats all voted for this giant uh, stimulus bill that none of them read. And then we're told, oh, yeah, well, we need to vote for Republicans. So there's gridlock. It's like, what gridlock? There is no gridlock. <laughs> They're the same. So, so uh, here's, here's something that popped in my head when you were talking. What if, what if we, uh, are we, are we going to, not what if, but are we going to see a situation where like <clears throat> a Tulsi Gabbard and a Justin Amash and a Dave Smith and um, uh, what the the wrestler guy that was the governor for a while, whatever his Ventura, yeah, that lispy guy, um, are all going to be the faces of the Libertarian Party? Like, are you are you are you? Do you think are you white pilled to the point to believe that? all the the normal average people will flee the democrat and republican party and not average people but average politicians those that can probably agree on 70 percent of the bill of rights or something like that you know and and it kind of turn against the republican and the democrat party 
Do you, do you see that as a viable option in the future for the Libertarian Party? Um, I don't know if it's viable. The problem is I think a lot of people don't want it. Like they wouldn't want Tulsi Gabbard to become a Libertarian um, or Jesse Ventura. A lot of them didn't even want Justin Amash to become a Libertarian. I mean, Jesus. Um, I, like, I like Tulsi more than I like Amash, but that's because she's cuter than he is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that if someone like Tulsi became interested in the Libertarian Party, that she should be welcomed in. I don't think she should be the nominee for president or something like that. But if you have someone with a lot of name recognition who has a lot of libertarian leanings, of course, you should be welcoming to them. That doesn't mean you're going to say, yes, you represent everything we believe and you're a bastion of liberty. But if you can bring them in and then make them better, I, I look at that as a win. Uh, and I mean, you got to remember who we're dealing with here. I mean, Americans are retarded. So if you can if you can get high profile figures, like I think even better than politicians is getting actors or athletes to become libertarians. I mean, if you can uh, if you can get Vince Vaughn to officially join the Libertarian Party or I don't know, Elon Musk or, you know, choose your choose your celebrity. If you could get them to do that, that brings a lot more attention than any politician ever would. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I, I understand why some people have some pushback because they think it's going to water the message down. But I don't think that it has to. I think that if you have people who are interested in the ideas of liberty you should be welcoming to them and try to make them better and um i i think where the you know i think a lot of it comes from bill weld people have a sour uh taste in their mouth from having him as the vp nominee and i i agree that that was a huge mistake um so i don't think we should run non-libertarian people for president but Having them join the movement or at least having interest in it, I think is a good thing. And we should, you know, we should meet them where they are and try to pull them closer, I guess. So much of the focus of my podcast is to point out abuses of power and how bad things have gotten and the direction in which we're heading as a society. And it can be a real black pill. I've partnered up with Richard Grove to offer my listeners an opportunity to sign up to his autonomy course. Uh, the autonomy course is designed for people looking for solutions, people that want to shape their own future, people that are not willing to be at the behest of large corporations or the United States government or the banking system. The autonomy course is designed for those of you who wish to have complete control of the reins of your life, who are looking to be successful, that to thrive and not just survive, to provide for your family by utilizing your existing skills and learning how to market and sell those skills in order to be your own boss or learn new skills in order to leverage that into a new career opportunity. So if there's a job out there you've been trying to get or you've been wishing you could get, but you just don't have the skills for it, the autonomy course is the place for you to start, to learn how to land that position, to learn 
how to market yourself better, to gain confidence, and to be surrounded by a community of like-minded people that will encourage you and help you along the way. So use my affiliate links and go check out the autonomy course. It could be right for you. Well, yeah, let's say, um, I mean, I'd say at this point in time, Justin Amash agrees with the Republican Party 35% of the time, maybe 40% of the time. Probably agrees with the Libertarian Party 85, 90% of the time, right? Yeah. Tulsi Gabbard, I would say the same with the Democrat Party. She's 35, 40% of the time she's on board with whatever they're doing. Probably agrees with the Libertarians 75, 80% of the time, right? Yeah. So even if they don't join the party, let's say you get these endorsements, right? I mean, just endorsements. You could actually do something. You get, you know, Clint Eastwood is openly has called himself a libertarian. I've never heard him once support the Libertarian Party. Right. You get an endorsement like that, right? I mean, come on, man. You get dirty hairy on your side. Who's going to beat you? I mean, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's a lot of fun, you know, you know, to think about these things and say, yeah, you know, we could do that. But the problem yeah. is the machine is all against that. They are never, ever going to accept the libertarians getting any kind of recognition or acknowledgement. They want it to be a binary fight, mm -hmm. right? So breaking through that, that propaganda, a trillion dollar a year propaganda machine is the big fucking problem. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do here, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> you would need, you would need these people to put their necks out out on the line and and risk being quote unquote canceled and their careers ended in order to do this yeah i mean we we have an aversion to even having eric july or hotep jesus speak somewhere i mean jesus we're 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 so far from being where we should um you know i mean we should have uh all that remains playing rock songs at our friggin um convention you know like why not like why not embrace this pop culture embrace the popularity of certain figures like we're, we're so bad at messaging and this comes down to being the smartest guy in the room who doesn't get anything done like we want right. to stare down our nose at all these people and act like we're just so much better than them when if we actually had them on our side we could actually do something um, and I think that is how you would see us break the, the system. Like if you have enough people who have power on our side, then you'd see a switch because the people with power are not politicians. They're just not, I mean, they, at least as far as influential power goes, you know, it's, it's pop culture. It's singers it's actors it's athletes if you can get one of them to say you know that COVID-19 
regulations are stupid or something like that. That is way bigger than Thomas Massey saying it. I mean, Thomas Massey says it 10 times a day. Nobody cares if you get Oprah Winfrey to say, yeah, this whole COVID stuff needs to end right now. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, so I don't think that we should be just turning away anyone who has interest in us because they hold a lot more influential power than any politician we could ever run. Yeah. Well, that, and that's one thing that, you know, you, you, you constantly hear is this cult, uh, politics is downstream from culture. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, um, my buddy, Ryan Bunting, really good friend of mine did, did my logo art and did Pete, uh, Pete Quinone's logo art for his podcast as well. Um, he wrote a book, a fiction book called Project Manicore, which was, it was good. I mean, there was, you know, nothing wrong with it. It was a really good book. It was an easy read. I read it in like three days. I rolled like right through it. Great little fiction story that, that you run through and sticks with you. And you're like, wow, you know, there's a lot in there that, you know, very libertarian, uh, dystopian, you know, theme book that you could get a lot out of. And, mm -hmm. you know, Top Lobster, he's, I mean, all the art that he's putting out there and this, that, and the, the, you know, there are people that are involving themselves and we just, we have to learn, we have to figure out a way to promote them better. You know, mm -hmm. because these guys are going to attract people to you and I and, and Pete and Scott and Scott, I mean, Scott is probably the most important voice out there you know yeah. and the amount of people like whenever he was on tim pool show the amount of people that were talking trash it almost blackpilled me a little bit but then i was like you know what there are a million people not making comments right now that are watching this going shit man this dude fucking yeah. knows a lot maybe i need to read something on this shit you know and that's a fucking white pill, you know, if you ask me. I mean, that's a that's a huge white pill. Yeah. So when you know, uh you bring up all the remains, you know, I got a I got a, my buddy plays in a band in in Colorado called Havoc. Uh, mm -hmm. he's a vocalist, David Sanchez. I've interviewed him on this show. We've become really good friends. You know, he would do stuff like that too, man. He would love to be involved in stuff like that. You know, and and so the people that are putting on these libertarian movements or putting on these activities, they need to start inviting these guys, you know, and, and getting them involved in this. You know, I mean, I talked to David. I had actually invited him to Childeberg. The only reason he didn't come is because he's in Hawaii. And I was like, all right, well, you know, yeah. I'm be mad at you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, someone like Ryan Dawson, uh, he calls himself a libertarian, but he's never been part of the Libertarian Party or anything. Or, But I was, I mean, you saw over the last few weeks before he got nuked on Twitter, like I was, I was injecting him into the conversation everywhere and he was interacting with Libertarian Party accounts. And it was exciting, like people were excited they were interested in seeing what was going on and that got some pushback from some people because they don't like some of the things he said and you know that's just so dumb to me if you could have this electric experience of bringing someone 
who has a ton of libertarian ideas, whether it's Eric July or Maj Ture or, you know, um, Phil Labonte or, you know, like all, you know, just all these people who attract an audience and create excitement. You should want them in your events, on your side, in your advertising, you know, like all these idiots who are like, oh, they're going to push people away. Well, you're going to attract a lot more people than you're going to push away. You're not attracting anyone with some Cato Institute uh, nerd who's just, you know, spouting platitudes. That doesn't excite anybody. You excite people with people who have something controversial or interesting or unspoken beforehand to say you know that that's what's really going to catch people's attention and um we just gotta we gotta stop listening to the woke people in the movement because they don't they don't know what attracts people like this idea that oh we're just gonna have this message that's kind of boring so we don't scare anyone away it's like yeah but we're in a burning house or a sinking ship or a you know a a crashing airplane whatever analogy you want to use we don't have time to not scare people like we, we we need to use some messaging that's going to wake people up and get them to care. And, you know, these electrifying figures do that and we should stop alienating them. Exactly. Uh, I, I like Ryan Dawson a lot. Um, first time I ever heard of him was on Pete's show. And I was like, wow, this kid's super smart. Like mm-hmm. knows, knows this shit. Now I didn't realize like when I called him a kid, I didn't realize he was probably my age, but you know, right. But that, that was my first thought about it, you know? And I, I listen to him whenever he's on your show or on Pete's show. He's got great things to say, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got a little bit of an edge Lord side to him. He likes to make some like off color jokes, but I mean, Jesus Christ, we're all fucking men here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how many, I, 90% of the jokes made when I was either in the military oil filled or driving truck are worse than anything Ryan Dawson has ever said in his life. Like, oh, yeah. I guarantee it, you know? And so it's, it's, it's like these people don't re- live in a real, real life. They they don't live in reality. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, I mean, on the job site, the things that I've said would have, uh, I don't know. Some of them probably could have gotten me arrested. Honestly, some of the jokes I've said, if they were published on social, at least media. in Britain. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> like you locked up I, with count Dankula. Anything that Dave Smith has said on Legion of Skanks or anything that Ryan said before his channel got <laughs> nuked or anything Pete has said. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't even come close. I mean, Maybe stuff they've said in private is as bad that I haven't heard, but (laughs) when you're on a job site with a bunch of guys who hate each other and are cold and tired and want to go home and just have to, you know, it's only Tuesday and you got three days left before you can finally call it a week. Like you need some fucked up humor to get you through that sometimes. (laughs) And then, um, you know, I've worked uh, with Mexicans and, uh, this one job, it was Mexicans, Somalians, uh, people from Burma, people from Thailand, people from everywhere. 
And I mean, the most racially insensitive jokes you've ever heard in your life were said on that roof all the time because we, we were roofing and uh, just zero sensitivity, uh, completely callous um, humor. And I don't know, like you just, <laughs> it was what you, what you use to get through the day, you know? I mean, people don't understand that dark humor can sometimes be a tool for dealing with anger or stress or even sorrow or uh, trauma. I mean, it can be used in so many different ways and uh, letting the woke people control the narrative is, is ridiculous because they don't, they don't understand real people. Real people are like you and me. I mean, they're, they're dark and they're corrupt and they think about fucked up stuff and, when they hear us talk about it, it actually makes them realize that we're one of them. You know, we're not some right. scholar who thinks that we know everything. Yeah, if you, if most if most of you motherfuckers heard the way me and my wife talk to each other in private <laughs> and joke with each other, you know, like calling each other bitch and dick and all these like just yeah. fucking around, like y'all would be like, oh, y'all hate each other, but no, we love each other. We have a blast. We're having a, we're having a good time. Yeah. You know, and you gotta, if you can't see, I always grew up in this situation. We're going to cut it. We're going to be, be ending here pretty soon, but I always ended up in this situation where I grew up in this situation where everybody would say, well, if I'm not picking on you, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. Right. And now if I, I'm, I'm not allowed to pick on you or I don't like, I, I just don't get it. It doesn't comp compute. Like, it's like, no, I'm fucking with you because I like you, man. Like, if I'm not, if I'm not fucking with you, if I'm not calling you a a dirty skank, you know, like once a week, then there's a problem. You should be like, dude, we should hug it out, you know, like whatever. But so it just, it makes no sense to me, the oversensitivity of, of this entire culture. Yeah, I think uh, I think none of them have to work. You know, none of they, they've all gone to college and then gotten a part time job bagging groceries to pay off their student loans. I, uh, you know, I, I was working 50 hour or let's see, 45 hours a week when I was 16, um, you know, out, uh, during the summers. And then during the school year, I worked two hours a day after school and then 11 hours on Saturday and sometimes five hours on Sunday. And you know, then when I turned 18, I was working 50 hours full time right away. Right. Uh, so I don't know, like I, I was just used to that culture. I was used to people being rough on you and, uh, you know, used to people expecting you to be able to pick up the slack and get to work and do your job. A lot of people just aren't used to that. And, you know, I, I was I, I say I was raised in the 90s, but born in the 70s or how, no, how do I say it? I was like, yeah, my parents, uh, I was born in the 90s, but raised in the 70s. That's what I say. Like, it, it was like I was um, <laughs> brought up in, uh, you know, a different time. My parents just raised us like their parents raised them um, and. I don't know, because there are people who are 10, 15 years older than me that still have this woke, dumb, lazy mentality that everything should be done for them, that you shouldn't say anything that offends anybody. And it's just not how I was raised. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, like you, I wasn't I was raised like a latchkey kid, you know, 
We got thrown outside in the morning. We came home in the afternoon. In the evening yeah. when it started getting dark and it was time to eat. Right. You know, so it was like, all right, yeah. And I did the same thing with my kids. I was like, yeah, y'all go ahead. But see, that's a huge white pill is the kids like what you we're all we always keep hearing about millennials and this that and the other and where they're at but the the zoomers they're fucking they're on it dude like all five of my kids are zoomers i talk to them all the time about all kinds of shit you know i have never met a more natural agorist than my youngest son the dude has been spending the last six years of his life trying to figure out how to make money any way, shape, or form he can before he's old enough to have a job. Like, yeah. Go for it, dude. Go for it. I don't care. Get suspended from school. Do whatever the fuck you got to do. Go for it. He's like, have fun with it. Enjoy it. And that's what he does. My daughter does similar stuff. You know, like, and so I'm like, there's hope. You meet you meet the guys I met this past weekend in Childerberg, like Cody and Nick and Cotton and Ace and all these young kids that are out there running around. You're like, oh, Jesus. All hope is not lost. It's yeah. like there's good guys out there that are like bringing up that next generation of thinkers, right? <clears throat> but... Okay, I don't know where I was going with that, but I was going, I was I was going. So I wanna uh, I wanna go ahead and end it. I think uh, here. So let's go ahead and plug whatever you got. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, man. Um, we'll have to do another trucker episode on my channel sometime. Um, but uh, yeah, you can catch me uh i'm the only reed coverdale and the only naturalist capitalist out there so uh follow me on youtube and on spotify i uh, finally got audio versions uh at the naturalist capitalist and then uh i am on facebook i don't use it much naturalist capitalist uh and then twitter um is where you can keep up with most of what's going on and i'm at reed coverdale on twitter just hit thirteen thousand followers today so check me out there yeah. All right. Well, I had a lot of fun, dude. I think we're both fucking tired tonight. <laughs> I'm still recovering, man. I'm still like, my brain is still not con like working as properly as it should because of Childeberg. Like I, number one, it was, I needed it so bad and I didn't know I needed it so bad, it, but I was so drunk for so long. I don't know if I'll ever get out of this fog. <laughs> <laughs> If you're gonna play scam, pick and choose, well, it's a game that was made for you to lose. It doesn't really matter how many times, it's the same old worn out story, same old lines. There are one dirty fingers in hypocrisy, bragging on their feet to me. Don't feed them cause we don't even need them I never celebrate the tyrants out of taking our freedoms 
fuck them, don't feed them, cause we don't even need them. I never celebrate the time, try to take in our freedom. What's it gonna take for you to see that we're living in a wrecked democracy? Take it.